you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Speaking of Eliakim, the prophet Samuel's father, had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Eliakim offered, he gave Penina his wife and to all of her sons and daughters portions. But unto Hannah... He gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore. I hate the adversary, don't you? For to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, she went up to the house of the Lord. So she provoked her, therefore she wept bitterly. And did not eat. Dropping down to verse 9. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh. And after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. And prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow. And said, O Lord of hosts. If thou wilt indeed look upon the affliction of thy handmaiden and remember me and not forget thine handmaiden, but will give unto thine handmaiden a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Verse 18, and she said, let thine handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And last verse, and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Eliakim knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. I want to bring this thought to you today, poised, positioned, and purposed. Poised for an answer, positioned for a miracle, and knowing that God 
has a purpose. Would you lay your Bibles down and lift your hands and let's ask the Lord to meet us in this place. Lord, we give you all praise. We give you all glory, Lord. We're so grateful to come into your house, Lord, to know that your spirit has met us here. We're believing you, Lord, that you are going to do a great work. I pray, Lord, as I humbly uh, put myself before you, that you would anoint my words, God, that you would anoint the word that you have given me. Don't let your word go out void, but let it do its perfect work, Lord, that you intend for our lives. And we're going to praise you in advance. And we are going to thank you, Lord, for what you are going to do. We praise you for your word, and we praise you for your presence, and we praise you for every promise in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're seated. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. The story of Hannah and Samuel is one of the most recognized stories among Sunday school children and adults alike. Of course, we know the story of Hannah and how that she dedicated a son before he was ever born to the work of the Lord. And of course, we know who Samuel is. He was the one that at a very young age learned to recognize the voice and the calling of God on his life. To have been such an impactful woman, I find it interesting that Hannah is mentioned only two, uh, in two chapters in the first book of Samuel, chapter 1 and chapter 2. And then she's never mentioned again in scripture. I love the story of Hannah. Because it depicts a woman who had no known birthright to bear a son that would become a prophet in Israel. Yes, she bore a prophet that would eventually anoint kings. He anointed Saul, who killed his thousands. And he anointed David, who killed his ten thousands. Hannah was a very unlikely source from which greatness should come. She was stricken with sorrow and pain, the Bible tells us, that had consumed her for many years. Scriptures indicate that Hannah dealt with anxiety and depression because of her taunting adversary. She was so grieved by her situation that she wept bitter tears uncontrollably to the point that her words failed her. Still, a great prophet was birthed as a result of a woman who would not give up. You might be the most unlikely source, and you may think that there is nothing good that God can bring out of your life. But I'm here this morning to tell you that God is going to birth something out of you that is going to blow your minds. The Bible does not just refer to Hannah as barren, but the scripture specifically says that the Lord had shut up her womb with no explanation as to why. Her own husband didn't understand why Hannah could not come to terms with her barrenness and why she could not be satisfied with his favor towards her over her adversary. Yet because of her tenacity and the fervor of her prayer, the Lord granted her a son, Samuel. 
I pray that a refusal to give up before the miracle comes and before an answer comes would rest on this congregation. A refusal to say, that's it, the enemy can have his way, but a, a tenacity that says, I'm going to keep going to the Lord in prayer until I get my answer and I get my miracle. To understand the text, you must understand the predicament of Hannah's situation. Hannah was the first wife of uh, Elkanah. I started to say Eliakim, and I know that's not right. Scripture gives us very little insight into the situation. But in studying history, historians estimate that Hannah had been married and unable to have children for somewhere close to 19 years. According to Jewish law, if a couple had been married for 10 years without having any children, the husband was obligated to take another wife in order to fulfill the commandment to be fruitful and multiply. So because Hannah, of Hannah's barrenness, uh, Elkanah took a second wife, Penina, who bore him children. Imagine the heartbreak of Hannah who so desperately wanted to give Elkanah a son. Yet the scripture says that Hannah was the preferred wife, the first wife, the beloved wife, and Elkanah greatly favored her over Penina. It wasn't even Elkanah's desire for a second wife. It was the law. Hannah was his first love and was his choice. But this did not console Hannah. Hannah understood the weight of her inability to provide a son for Elkanah. She knew that only an heir of her, an heir of her uh, womb ensured her place in the family should something happen to her husband. She knew that the law allowed for the firstborn to inherit the great portion, the greater portion of the father's wealth. In those days, a woman's status and worth was based upon her ability to birth many children. Yet Hannah did not ask the Lord for many children. Hannah simply asked for one son. There seemed to be a greater purpose that drove Hannah to go to such desperate measures as to promise God that if he would give her a son, that she would give him back to God for all of his life for the service of the Lord. Some of you have been there. Some of you have prayed the prayers, whatever it takes, Lord. You've prayed the prayers, whatever that you have to do, Lord, I need you to step in and I need you to touch my family. There is a greater purpose than the circumstances that you see right now. Things may not look possible, but with God, anything is possible. I want to assure you this morning, the Lord hears you and the answer is on its way. It is coming. God is going to step in just at the right time and hear your prayers. Why don't you give him praise for it this morning? Thank you, Jesus. The name of Hannah's husband, Elkanah, means God created or God purchased. God had a special purpose in mind for Elkanah and his lineage. 
The Bible does not give us the genealogy of Hannah. By blood, she was likely not an heir to the promise. But because she was adopted into Elkanah's family by marriage and took the family name on, she thus become an heir to the promise. We are the children of God. We have been adopted into the body of Christ, and the promises of God belong to us. We are heirs of every promise in the word of God. The scripture gives us the lineage of Elkanah because there was significance and there was promise. You see, Elkanah was from the tribe of Levi. We understand that from the tribe of Levi came those who were set aside for the service of Yahshua or Jehovah, the one true and living God. The Levites were known as God's portion among his people. They were the musicians. They were the ones that were counted worthy to carry the ark through the wilderness. The Levites were the guard of the temple. They kept the temple and repaired it when the temple was damaged in the wilderness or weathered by storms or desecrated by heathens. The Levites were the judges over Israel for Israel's sins. They were the priests who offered sacrifices unto God and kept the, first, uh, the fire that fell from heaven burning always in the temple. It was a Levite who was granted entrance one time a year into the Holy of Holies and returned with a glow on their countenance that the people could not even stand to look upon. And it was a Levite who served as prophet to the children of Israel, to whom God would reveal visions, dreams, and hidden things, thus becoming the voice of God to the people. It was the legacy of the Levite. If you were a part of the tribe of Levi, you were instrumental in birthing um, something, a conduit for the heavenly to touch earth. I believe that this is actually what drove Hannah to desire a child. That legacy and that heritage was so important to Hannah that the only way for her to legitimately connect to the tribe of Levi, whose inheritance was the Lord, was to birth a male child who would be heir to the Levitical birthright of his father, Elkanah. There are some of you sitting in this congregation today who are about to birth something great and so powerful that will change the course of your life forever. But you will have to want it more than anything else in this life. It has to be the most important thing to you. And you have to be desperate for it. But if you are desperate for it, God will burst something through you that will turn your family, your city, and your world upside down. I want you to praise God for that in advance. We thank I want to help you understand the true significance of this. Scripture does not specifically identify Hannah as being from this lineage. But it does indicate that she was a righteous woman who was devout in keeping the commandments of the Lord. 
The Bible says that she went yearly with her husband to the temple to worship and to offer sacrifice to the Lord. And yearly she petitioned the Lord for a child. Our text brings us to a point in Hannah's life that the vexation of her adversary became so great that she no longer could bear it. Your adversary may be taunting you, but today is the day to say enough is enough. And I am not going to tolerate my adversary taunting me any longer. For years, she had asked the Lord for a child, but now she had come to the end of what she intended to tolerate. Enough was enough. Her adversary had vexed her sorely to the point that Hannah determined in her heart to take desperate measures and to do whatever she had to do to get an answer from the Lord. There are some of you that know exactly what I am talking about this morning. You have gone to the Lord in prayer time and time again, asking him to make a way, asking him to save your children, asking him to send provision, asking him to heal your body or to heal your marriage. And it seems like your adversary is mocking you for your prayers. Don't you know that you are barren, Hannah? Don't you know that it isn't possible what you're asking the Lord to do? Don't you realize that there is no life in your marriage? Can't you see that your children have gone too far? Did you not hear the doctor's report? But you have reached the end of your rope and something has got to give. Enough is enough. I believe that a determination is going to rise up in you that will cause you to go to desperate measures. Whatever it takes, I'm going to lay it all on the altar because my God is able to supply. He's able to heal. He's able to save. My children have not gone too far. God can reach them from the ends of the earth. He is a way maker. He is the king of of kings. He is the Lord of lords, and nothing is impossible with my God. See, something shifted in Hannah. She had taken all that she was going to take, and she was not willing to tolerate her adversary anymore. The Bible says that Hannah rose after they had eaten and they had drunk in Shiloh and went to the temple without her husband to petition the Lord. She was in bitterness of soul, the scripture says, desperate for a change in her situation. She wept bitterly and poured her soul out to the Lord. Then Hannah made a bold step that she had never made before. She vowed to the Lord, O Lord of hosts, if you will see the affliction of your handmaiden and remember me and give your handmaiden a man-child, then I will give him to the Lord, not just temporarily, but all the days of his life. 
I believe that that was the very moment that things changed for Hannah. Many of you who have birthed children have brought those babies to the front of the church and you've dedicated them back to the Lord as though that it was just a mere picture opportunity or something that we do uh, within the church, not truly understanding that what you're saying is I am giving this child back to the Lord. Do whatever you got to do, Lord, but use them for your glory. Eli the priest accused her of being drunk in the temple. But Hannah replied, no, I have not had strong drink. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit, but I have poured my soul out to the Lord. Hannah knew that at that very moment she had laid it all on the altar. You cannot lay it all on the altar and God not take notice. You uh, cannot be desperate and God not pay attention. When you willingly lay it all on the altar, when you become desperate enough that you say whatever it takes, Lord, God is going to pay attention and he is going to hear your prayers. Then Eli, being led of the Lord, spoke the words that changed everything for Hannah. Go in peace. And the God of Israel grants you the petition that you have asked of him. The scripture says that Hannah went her way and her countenance had changed because she was confident that God had heard her. She walked away from that that uh, encounter poised to receive her answer. She was not with child yet, but she was confident that her son would soon be on his way. I believe that she walked away with more dignity than she had ever had in years. Hannah had a calm and a compose with an assurance that her years of barrenness were almost over. Finally, the very meaning of her name was coming to pass because surely she had found grace and favor with God. I challenge some of you today to lay it on the altar and walk away confident knowing that God is answering your prayers and a miracle is on its way. Show me a child of God who lays their all on the altar, and I will show you an individual who is positioned for a miracle. You're not going to be positioned for a miracle if you don't have an altar on your, in your life. But when you lay it all on the altar, you are positioning yourself for a miracle. Give me a good old-fashioned mother of Zion who gets their belly full of their adversary messing with their babies, whether it's their natural babies or their spiritual babies, and I'll show you a mama whose prodigal is on their way home. Let me see a faithful saint of God who refuses to be dissuaded by roaring lions and principalities. And I'll show you a prayer warrior who will charge the gates of hell and will take back 
everything that the enemy has stolen from them. I challenge someone this morning who is desperate for a miracle, who is desperate for God to step into your situation. Quit worrying. Refuse to take the vexation any longer. Dig your heels in. Point your toes directly at your adversary and let your adversary know enough is enough. I'm not taking it anymore. I am positioning myself for a miracle. Anybody in this place want to position yourself for a miracle? Why don't you praise them for a miracle right now? Hannah positioned herself for something great to happen with no immediate promise or indication that a miracle was on its way. All she had was peace and a calm when she got up from the altar. Hannah knew that if she would position herself at the altar, that she was placing herself in the location where God would meet her. You will never get the answers that you're looking for if you don't position yourself at an altar. Not just on Sundays, not on Wednesdays only, but Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a daily altar in your life. Yes, God can meet you on the backside of a Midian de desert. He can meet you on the road to Damascus. He can change your name and give you a new identity. But most often, he will meet you at the location where your desperate plea causes you to say, I will do whatever it takes for God to step into my situation. <laughs> Build an altar. Parents, lay your children on the altar. Pray the prayer, whatever it takes. Yes, that's a difficult prayer to pray because it takes it out of our hands. But when we place our families and our children and our situation in the hands of God, we can trust him with it. He will see us through. Position yourself at an altar and God will meet you there. The scripture said that the next morning they arose early and worshiped before the Lord. There was no going back for Hannah. She walked with purpose. She worshiped in advance. How many times do we get in situations in our lives that we've prayed and prayed and then it settles in our spirits and it affects our worship? Hannah didn't allow that to happen. She worshiped in advance before the miracle ever came. Some of you need to worship in advance before you ever see the miracle coming. You need to give them all the praise. If he never does the miracle, he's still worthy of the praise. He's still God. He's still in control. We should worship him before it ever even happens. Before you see your children walking down the aisle to an altar of repentance. Come into this house worshiping, seeing it in your mind's eye. Worship him for it in advance.
hallelujah, I feel faith rising in this place. She had made a vow to God. If you will see the affliction of your handmaiden and remember me and give your handmaiden a man-child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. The Bible says that God remembered Hannah and she bore a son, Samuel, meaning God has heard you would have thought that she would have been tempted to renege on her vow the day that she held that beautiful baby and the fulfillment of that promise in her arms. Surely that would have been the end because she had received what she had asked for. Why keep the vow? Why give him back to the Lord? Why follow through with her promise to the Lord? He had already provided a son. The Bible says that Elkanah returned to the temple to offer sacrifice and to worship, but Hannah did not return with him. I will not go until Samuel is weaned, she said to her husband, and then I will go and present him to the Lord that he may abide there forever. The law would have allowed Elkanah to override uh, Hannah's vow if he objected. Hannah could have fulfilled her vow according to the law by redeeming it and her son with money. But she knew that the purpose was greater than anything that money could buy. The day came when she presented Samuel to Eli, the very priest who said, May the Lord of Israel grant your petition. You would have thought that her promise had been fulfilled with the presenting of Samuel, but it wasn't. It was just the beginning. Yes, she had fought hell to get to this point. Yes, she had overcome sorrow and grief, anxiety, depression, and had won the victory. Yes, she had subdued her adversary and silenced the voice of her enemy. Yes, Jehovah had rested his approval on her for everyone to see, even her adversary. You would think that she had received all that there was to receive, and it was over. But take a look at Samuel, for Samuel, the second chapter. It says that she came out of it a worshiper like she had never been before. Not only was she a worshiper, but she also spoke with an authority over a strong man that she had never had before. She came out with more authority because of the vow that she made to the Lord. She began to prophesy. She cast down strongholds. The Lord elevated her to levels that she had never been before because all she did, she poised herself to receive an answer. She positioned herself for the miraculous and the fulfillment of her purpose was predicated on both. Poising herself, positioning herself, and the purpose was predicated on those two things. 
under the unction of the Holy Ghost this morning. I speak over you that there is purpose in you that has not come to pass yet, but it's on its way. You have not seen the miracle yet. You don't even have a glimpse of what it's going to look like. But God is getting ready to release the miraculous in your life. There is an anointing waiting to be released in your life when you position yourself for it. You've got to praise Him until you get your fight back. No matter what you see right now, no matter what your adversary is saying, by the authority of the Holy Ghost, I'm serving final notice to the adversary this morning. Get out of our families, get out of our marriages, get out of our finances, get out of our minds at two and three o'clock in the morning. I pray right now that the Lord releases the miraculous in this place, that his purpose is accomplished in every life. Throw your hands in the air right now and begin to praise him for what he is getting ready to do. Your power and work 